We got Verizon 5G home internet. It's from Verizon. Safe choice, right? Well, some things that look great end up being not so great. Like the time you bought a shrimp roll from a gas station. Ugh. Or when you bought that used sports car. <laughs> what about when we got Billy that drum set? The point is, Verizon 5G home internet sounded great. But turned out to be something else. And we deserve fast, reliable internet. We deserve Xfinity. It's time for better internet. Switch to Xfinity. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Verizon 5G facts. And welcome to the Monday Steelers Depot live stream. Thank you guys for being here. As always, I am Alex Kazora. Joining me is Dave Bryan here to answer your Steelers questions for the next hour until 8 p.m. Eastern time. Just give me one second to set up the stream on my end, and then we'll bring up the uh, the site as well so you guys can read the top headlines of the day while I do that. Dave, how you doing? I am doing well on a beautiful day here in Las Vegas, but it's not going to last. Uh, supposed to have winds like 70 miles an hour up to maybe even 80 or 90, they said, uh, in, in some parts of the valley on Tuesday and Wednesday. So uh, other than that, uh, everything's going fantastic. Yeah, other than ter- horrible winds, <laughs> my goodness, yeah. out there. That's uh, Say it ever, does it usually get like that? Uh, you know, about three times a year, you'll have super heavy, windy days. I don't think any rains in the forecast. I just think just strong winds coming mm. into the valley. All right. We'll keep your feet on the ground. As always, Dave and I here to answer your Steelers questions for the next hour. You guys can send us a super chat to move to the front of the line and have your question be guaranteed to be asked and answered. No obligation to do so. We appreciate that. If you can't send a super chat, you guys could just hit the like button. That would really uh, mean a lot to Dave and I. It's a big help for the YouTube algorithm to bring more people into the chat, into the stream, and just to the channel in general. So with that out of the way, I assume the audio is good. If you guys could not hear Dave a moment ago, please let me know in the chat. But everything has been good as of late, and so we'll uh, we'll trust that and get to your questions. First question comes from Zachary Prosba, who says, Tomlin takes you to a pro day dinner as a player at Pitt. Where are you going and what do you order, knowing the bill is picked up by Mike Tomlin and crew? That's a good question. This was weirdly a a big topic of discussion last year on the Mike Tomlin quarterback pro day dinner tour. I think there were chicken wings and forget what else there were at the time. But um, I don't know. What is your what is your dinner of choice with Mike Tomlin, Dave? I don't know. I mean, I don't know much. I mean, I, I know very limited about places to eat uh, in, in, you know, in Pittsburgh or whatnot. What's just but, like cuisine? Uh, What's the, the Italian pizza burgers? What do you get in just general? I, I, I like I've, I've never turned down a really, really good burger or, uh, you know, let's see, uh, steak. I mean, chicken. I mean, uh, something along those lines, I guess. All right. And uh, yeah, for me, I don't know about one particular place, but I, maybe I would just go very cliche permanies and just to see what just to see what Mike <laughs> Tomlin's permanies order would be. I just would want to know what he would get. So that'd be my choice. Do you get the coleslaw on that or no? I do. I want to give you guys a real hot take that's going to uh, probably upset most like of the coleslaw, chat. I don't like coleslaw. So I, 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 when I ate there, I, I didn't have coleslaw and probably about, about got thrown out yeah. of the place. This, this was years ago, too. So. That is a sin. But I was going to say, I like coleslaw. I think Primanti's, though, a little overrated. I don't think it's that great Pittsburgh cuisine. I think it's a little over the top talked about. I know people are going to hate me for that, but that's my that's my hot take. Well, I don't eat coleslaw. Hate cabbage. I just, uh, ah, you know, yeah. they, they, they can they can leave all that off. 
Uh, audio sound good, guys? Just let me know in the chat. I just want to test the uh, audio in the chat, uh, make sure everything uh, is working okay. But uh, if you could just drop that in the comments, would appreciate that. We'll move on now to Matt Bell, who says, Are there any draft prospects you think will be busts or players the Steelers should avoid drafting? No, this is late, but Dave did an amazing job on the Salary Cap Solo podcast, so thank you for that, Matt. I don't know if there's one guy yet where I've, I've felt like really underwhelmed by watching. I'm a little mixed on Zay Flowers. I, I do like his game a lot. Do I like it in that first-round tier, though? I don't think he's as good as the first-round picks of the past and kind of pushed up by a, a weaker top end of the receiver class overall. What are your thoughts, Dave? Yeah, I'm not to the point. I'm still scratching the surface on a lot of these guys to get caught up, and it'll be probably until the combine comes comes and goes before I, I really have a, you know, I'm at that point where I can talk a little bit better about, you know, top, you know, 15 at each position, 20 at each position along those lines uh, at this point. So, I mean, I'm not ready to say, man, there's one guy that I'm, I'm scared might be, might be overrated. I'll, I'll tell you this, you know, the, the, the Brissy kid right now, mm. uh, uh, just from a sheer fact of, uh, everybody says, oh, this guy's guaranteed to go top 10 or something along those lines, you know, top 15. There's no way he, he, he would be on the board. Uh, I, I, in, in, in the tape that I've watched, I haven't seen, seen that quite yet. Now, do, do I think he could still very much be in play for the Steelers at, let's say either, you know, 17 overall or, 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 or you know, the 32nd overall? Absolutely. I do. But, uh, uh, I, I'm at the point now where uh, you know you, all these early hot takes come in on these guys and all like that, and and not that I don't think he's 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 overrated or anything. It's just that I. I, I'm, I'm, I'm having problems trying to find where a lot of people think that this this kid won't be on the board at 17 overall. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does, and I think that's uh that that's a, probably a really good name to talk about there because I think even. Was it Daniel Jeremiah that you referenced as kind of calling him one of the more polarizing players, uh, prospects yeah, in this draft? Yeah, I think uh, verbatim he said the you know, teams are split on him. Okay. And you and I talked about it during a recent podcast as well, too. You know, uh, I think the issue because him missing games, obviously coming off that knee injury uh, the this, this season prior. Uh, he missed games last year to what was it a, a, a kidney infection and obviously the passing of his uh, younger sister and all like that. Uh, uh, I haven't gotten to a point where I've been able to go back and watch, let's say, his 2020 tape yet. But I, I think that's probably where he's probably going to pop off the tape more than anything is that season uh, there. And obviously, you know, most of his 2021 season was wrecked by the by the knee injury and then 2022 missed some games there and all like that. So, uh, I, you know, look from, from a character, he's going to check, he's going to check almost every box, uh, for the Steelers when it comes to the Alex Kazora, what the Steelers look for, uh, category there. I mean, he's got hearts and smarts and, uh, the, the only question is, is, is what will the five, the final tape say on him as whether or not he should be 17 or 32 or more of a second round guy. You know, I obviously, I think he's going to be off the board by the middle of the second round. So if the Steelers wanted him and had to have him, I, he would obviously probably have to be at 17 or 32 overall. But uh, I'm curious to go back and kind of compare the, uh, the 2020 tape for, from him to, to the more, more recent tape. 
One quick aside before we uh, keep answering questions, I wanted to wait a couple minutes before people got into the chat. We'll be live on Sunday, this coming Sunday. I believe that's the 26th, uh, and it'll be the annual Walk the Mock live stream. So I'll be the GM of the Pittsburgh Steelers, three-round mock draft, and so that will start at 8 p.m. Eastern time this Sunday. Come join me and help me draft for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so I'll be putting out some alerts for that over the next couple of days to remind you guys. But Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern time, walk the mock, live mock draft. You get a pretty good turnout for that too, don't you? Yeah, it's usually one of our higher turnouts for a live stream. So people get excited and they get mad at me and there's a lot of emotions. And with three picks this year for the the top two rounds, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. All right, back to the questions here. Mike Adesso, two players I think need to be strongly discussed at 17 more, but aren't because they aren't trench guys, are Brian Branch out of Alabama and wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. Big fan of those two. Branch is the safety, kind of a versatile chess piece in that Crimson Tide defense. I could see Branch at 17. I think Smith and Jigba at 17, and I don't want to be that guy that's saying things are too high or too low, but that does feel a bit too high for me. I think 32 would be a really good spot for him, and I may do a video on him. I'm kind of kicking the idea around. I think that's a really good slot receiver option for Pittsburgh mm. on day two. And Branch at 17, I think that's a good suggestion by you, Mike. Well, you go back to uh, Jackson's tape from, what, two seasons ago, mm-hmm. right? Uh, man, <laughs> very, very impressive. Uh, and I think there's going to be quite a, you know, a, a nice handful of three four five receivers that the Steelers might consider, uh, in the second or, or third round. And, and, and I think he could be one of those guys to watch in that area. It does feel from what I've seen on him, uh, 17 overall be a little strong for him, but hey, look, it just, the Steelers have proven in the past that they'd like a guy <laughs> They don't give it. They don't give a damn where you know people think they should take him. But 17 does feel a little strong for him. I haven't gotten into Brian Branch's uh, tape much of any to to really have have a formed opinion on him just yet. Let's see. Mark Miller was asking a question, but just says with a deep corner class available, and then it cuts off. So I don't know if Mark, if you okay, I see the rest of it in a separate comment. Should the Steelers wait to draft a cornerback with a third or fourth pick and use seventeen and thirty-two on O-line, D-line? It's hard to say. I don't like to put myself in those corners and and have that black and white painting of do this, do that, address this position, then that position. I think corner is strong. The value at seventeen might be too tempting that you want to take a guy there because as much as you talk about you know the needs of the team what positions do you have to address to get stronger at you can't ignore the value of what the first round offers you want to get good players obviously especially at the top of your class and so the just knowing all the names there of Gonzalez and Witherspoon and Cam Smith and Ringo Porter Jr. is the is the weight of the talent at that position going to outweigh maybe a weaker defensive line class or offensive line options that's the consideration there. Yeah, positional value, and you, uh, you know, just this this early on, from what I've seen, and you know, the more that kind of comes out, you read, you read along, and follow along with some of the uh, the, the specific stats related to a, a couple of these guys like Gonzalez and Witherspoon. It feels like you know, those, neither one of those two guys, Gonzalez or, or Witherspoon, would even be on the board at 17. Now, you know, you don't want to speak in definitives this early on because things obviously can change. But uh, uh, from where I sit right now in the process, it feels like both those guys might be there. And, 
you know, I, I would, I would speculate this early on that it might end up being a second or a third round, uh, 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 area where they might address the position. Right. Ross Swisher, unrelated football question. Would you guys pay Daniel Jones $45 million a year if you're the Giants in Dable? I think these guys are getting way overpaid nowadays as mediocre quarterbacks. No, I wouldn't pay Daniel Jones that amount of money. I think you can franchise tag the guy for considerably less, can't you, Dave? Right, right. Uh, I, I would, uh, unless I had a, an alternative plan, and if, assuming I could uh, have the cap space to dedicate it to it, I, I, I think I'd probably tag him and make him prove it to me one more year, uh, you know, put him in that Joe Flacco situation or mm-hmm. whatnot, you know, and, 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 and see which look, he, he definitely showed a lot, uh, this year, but is it enough of a sample size to say, man, we want to, we want to lock him up for that kind of price. And, and obviously the, uh, the percentage of guaranteed money that would likely have to come with, with, with such a deal. Right. It just seems like a lot, but the cap goes up and quarterbacks always demand that biggest chunk of the cap. Again, if you guys could like the stream, would really appreciate that to get more and more people into the stream, especially in these uh, maybe leaner, quieter moments of the offseason. So be sure to hit that like button. Mutated Gino, hello, uh, says, uh, hello, Alex and Dave. What will be the likely asking price for Tremaine Edmonds? And do you see the Steelers having a realistic chance of signing him? Do you see the Bills letting him get away? What are your thoughts on Tremaine Edmonds, Dave? Yeah, there's a good article, I think even this morning from, I think it's the Buffalo News kind of talking about prospects of uh, different guys that, that, you know, they might decide to franchise. And look, uh, you go back to the press conference that, uh, uh, who is it, uh, Brandon Bean over mm-hmm. there gave not too long after the season ended, and he admitted, look, they they are up against it uh, cap-wise. They've got a lot of important decisions to make this offseason, and you know they, they're going ha- to have to, to franchise tag a guy at Edmonds, which I think the number is somewhere around, what, $20 million, uh, right? That's, that's, that's mighty rich, you know, uh, there. So uh, I think that you, what you'll see Buffalo try to do is maybe try to work out a long-term deal with him before the tag deadline. And whether or not they're successful, you know, is, is, is another, you know, question that, that I don't have the answer to there. Uh, I, it it kind of feels like that's a strong, uh, strong tag number. And, and look, it's, it's so high because a lot of the edge guys are mixed in there uh, that have that uh, tag for linebacker. They don't differentiate between the outside linebackers like, you know, of TJ Watt and, and some of these. They don't differentiate b- between the positions. So they get lumped into mm-hmm. to one group there. And that kind of makes it feel like Edmonds at, at, at the tag price is way too expensive. So what what is his probably approximate value i don't know looking at the uh looking at the linebacker list on on over the cap and and you know you obviously got roquan smith leading it at, at 20 million uh fred warner at 19 million that that all that that feels high to me uh i think somewhere probably more in the line of i don't know 13 and a half to uh, i don't know 15 million seems more more tolerable uh, if you will, now look, you know, the, the you know the off the ball uh, free agent class, I don't think is going to be all that this off season anyway. There, so uh, it would make him him and guys like uh, Long, uh, kind of the, the the premier guys to go after. So if he did hit free agency, long story short, I mean, if you're talking about a guy at thirteen and a half million. 
when it comes to the Steelers, you know, 15 million, it, it, it feels like that's just going to be too, too rich for them to be. And mm -hmm. here, here's the thing. He's got age on his side, right? You know, and he, he is a physiman, one of those physiman spe specimens, but you know, where was, where was some of the playmaking at by him this past season? You know? Yeah, I think at times, and I haven't followed as closely as Bills fans, I think his career in some respects was underwhelming, although in the against Miami in the wildcard game, right, he had a great game, I think it was. Now that was right. the Dolphins team that was starting Skylar Thompson, so maybe things get a bit easier than had they faced Tua, but that was a big game, I remember, from him. But um, yeah, at, at, some, at some points in his career, it's maybe been a little bit quieter overall. I know it's going to be a pretty sexy name to connect to Pittsburgh, but I'm going to guess and, and say that Edmonds will not uh, become a Pittsburgh Steeler in 2023. Yeah, that would be my guess. Now, look, it, it drops off pretty quick there. You know, you have, as I mentioned, Roquan Smith at 20 million, and then, man, you get about 10 deep into this thing. You're down around 10, 10 million, 10, three or whatnot, you know, and Matt Milano is in there at, at 10.375. You got Bobby Wagner with the Rams at 33 years old mm. at 10 million. Eric Kendricks at 10 million, who's 31. Devondre Camp Campbell with uh, the Packers at 10 million. Uh, and heck, if you, you you don't go too far down the list, you, you, you find Miles Jack there, I think, within the top 20 at 8 million or so. So mm. uh, obviously, if you did go that route with Edmonds, it would probably cost Miles Jack his job. It might, you know, Miles Jack might be out of the job in a couple weeks anyway. Right. But it feels like it would, you know, if you did go the route after after uh, Tremaine Edmonds, it would come at the expense of, of 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 Miles Jack there. From where I sit right now, I would bet against it happening. But for obvious reasons, it's easy to to connect the dots, right? You know, sure. the bloodline, the Edmonds, uh, uh, youth still on his side. Uh, they were obviously at that pro day to see both of those Edmonds kids uh, 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 years ago on top of it. But from where I sit right now, what what I think the, the market value might end up being for him, it, it, it just it feels like it, it's something that Steelers wouldn't wouldn't do. I'm with you there. If you guys could just do me one favor, um, don't donate a super chat right now just if somebody could just check is super chat still an option i just want to make sure youtube didn't turn something off on my end and i'm not aware of that youtube likes to change things around so can somebody just check and see if, you, if it even just allows the option to donate a super chat you don't have to do it actually you know send the money but i just want to make sure it's uh toggled on so if somebody could do that and let me know in the comments just for my own peace of mind because i get kind of anxious about this stuff sometimes so would appreciate that uh, it looks like it's allowing me to do it, Alex. Okay, how so much, how do much do you want? Is this all, are you trying to ask for more money from me? For yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're offering, if I'm offering and you're offering, you know, all right. I just want to make sure that was still on, just because YouTube likes to mess with things sometimes. Anyway, let's get back to the questions here. Next one, actually, more of a comment, kind of a question comment from Ross Swisher. Aaron Curry wasn't the Seahawks player he was. The number four, number five pick of the '09 draft, once considered the safest player in that draft, to was anything but to not have a good career in Seattle or in the NFL, but now not made official, but um, appears to be coming to Pittsburgh as a team's outside linebackers coach. Dave, what's your just overall reaction to, we assume, the Aaron Curry hire? Yeah, first and foremost, it's a, it's a bit of uh, out of nowhere uh, uh, name. I, I You probably could have asked me 
uh, to guess five names that they might consider for that. And I, and I don't, I'm not sure I would have picked Aaron Curry as being one of them, but with that said, he is an up and comer. It seems like when it comes to defensive, uh, uh, coaches, he's going to be what, uh, what did I say? 37 in April or May or something like that. Uh, you look at back and I haven't, uh, there is a video out there that shows all the Seahawks, uh, sacks from last season. I think you can find that on there on, on the Seahawks YouTube channel. I've been, uh, that was something I thought I might be able to get to today and I, I, I wasn't able to do it, but you know, they had a couple of young guys, you know, a, a, a Wasu out of uh, USC that had nine and a half and, uh, uh, the, the kid Taylor out of uh, what Tennessee a couple mm-hmm. years ago, I think he had nine and a half over there. So somebody did something right last year to, to uh, have the production of those two guys uh, go up there. And obviously Curry, uh, it sounds like, you know, was, was an assistant mainly working with the edge rushers over there. So uh, at least from a 30,000 foot view, since the news broke late yesterday, yesterday afternoon, I, I can't find anything wrong with it. Heck, I mean, that's, that's a great kind of job, right? To have to coach uh, T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. And obviously his job will go for a lot further than that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully there's going to be a couple of young, young outside linebackers that he's going to have to coach uh, uh, coming up here soon. But uh, just, just from a quick overview, quick thought on it, I, I don't see anything wrong with the move. Yeah, I'm excited about the hire. I, I was reading up on Curry a bit more uh, this morning, and just the backstory is interesting. Grew up, he said, dirt poor in, in North Carolina, um, became a first-round pick uh, of Seattle, and then obviously had a pretty tough NFL career. Dealt with injuries, dealt with the struggles of playing away from home, other side of the country. So just a guy that I think can relate to a lot of people because he's been at the lowest of lows, the highest of highs, and everything in between. And the dude's 37, can be relatable to the young guys that come in, and has that experience from all walks of life, a little little DHB-like, where DHB could kind of relate to everybody in that room because he was a first-round pick. He was a guy didn't work out in, with the Raiders and you know reinvented himself. So just uh, probably a guy that, that, that can connect with whoever else gets added to that room. So I'm excited about that. Alex needs gas money. That Porsche is expensive to fill up of yours, <sighs> isn't it? Yeah, gas out here in Western PA. <laughs> Pretty pretty expensive. I, well, so. I just came from uh, San Diego. It's uh, it's uh, oh, damn near almost six dollars a gallon out there. Yeah. Right. Well, Brandon Hadger's helping out the uh, the gas fund, and <laughs> it's all jokes there. But uh, thank you so much for the five dollars super chat. Brandon uh, has a question about JJ Watt. Let me scroll up and find it. He says, "I just saw it a moment ago." Should I spend any time fantasizing about JJ Watt being hired by the Steelers to help TJ? I think uh, I think JJ is going to spend some quality time with the family and probably do whatever JJ Watt wants to do. I don't know how much hope TJ uh, will need right now, but maybe in his retirement, JJ can maybe uh, talk to J- to uh, TJ a little bit more. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, JJ said he plans on trying to uh, maybe even make some games, right? Oh, did he? I know he said he's going to become a bigger Steeler fan. So. Right. I would okay. I would be surprised yeah. uh, for him to show up a couple of games uh, in Pittsburgh, especially if they you know end up re-signing Derek Watt, which sure. isn't a given at this point here. But no, I think uh, he's, he, he probably wants to spend time with his wife and that new baby more than anything. For sure. For sure. John Pennington. Hello, John. How you doing? Says, hello, Dave and Alex. What would it take to get into that fifth and sixth round? And a super chat just came in that moved the chat for me, but... Uh, John says, what would it take to get into that fifth and sixth round without giving up the farm? I mean, to get a fifth round pick for Loudermilk, that was a fourth round or a future fourth. Generally, that next next year's picks are kind of worth 
one up, I guess is how to explain that. So probably a 2024 fourth, or I think more likely you trade down in the, you know, with one of those day two picks or some other trade where you pick up a fifth or sixth rounder that way. So you can always go either direction, trade down to get a pick or trade up to get a pick. Super chat coming in from Captain Spartan 04. Finally get to tell you all about Shaka Hayward, linebacker out of Duke, 80 plus tackles, three of four seasons, four INTs, 11 and a half sacks, 11 pass deflections, cousin of Cam and Connor. I know there has been debate about the bloodlines between him and, and, and Cam and Connor. Um, I think the consensus is that they're technically related, but they've never actually met Cam and Connor and uh, I guess it's it's Shaka Shaka, uh, Shaka Hayward. So I, I I that bloodline aside, I mean, interesting guy. Maybe a guy will profile before uh, draft season officially wraps up. Yeah, I think who was it? Doctor Mel was uh, talking about that. She really can't. That she uh, did she DM Charlotte or something like that. I think so. Yeah. So they they might be actually related, but there's not really a relationship there apparently. Uh, before, I, before it gets too far past me here, Samantha asks, how's my back doing? Samantha, it's night and day different. Uh, thanks for asking. I uh, turned the corner about three or about three and a half, four weeks ago. Uh, I had a, a bad bulging disc in my back that got worse and affected the sciatic nerve going all the way down the leg. I was beginning to wonder, and I'd been dealing with with this since like August. So all of the, the entire the entire season, I was dealing with my back and uh, uh, dropped a little bit of weight that helped along with it. And, and after it got worse, it, it ended up getting better. And I, and I just uh, was able to even go to San Diego the, uh, the end of last week there. So uh, keep your fingers crossed. So far, so good. Yeah, that is the best news of the live stream for sure. So thank you for asking, Samantha, and uh, glad you're feeling better, Dave. Another super chat. Thank you so much, Jesse Hernandez. Certainly you guys didn't have to. I was just checking because I know we hadn't got one in a bit, which is totally fine. And YouTube just sometimes they change things. So um, you know, didn't have to donate, but we really appreciate that. Jesse, first ever from him who says, Hey guys, if you both had your first choice at cornerback with number 17 pick, who would it be regardless of if they are there or not? So basically if you could wave a magic wand and put a corner oh. to Pittsburgh at 17. Yeah, I don't have a great answer. I think... I'm kind of debating, and don't hold me to this, but Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, that physicality, or Christian Gonzalez from Oregon uh-huh. just for the size and um, I think some of the pedigree type stuff. So leaning one of those two guys right now, but again, it's a really strong cornerback class, and there's going to be options there for Pittsburgh. Right, and I, I haven't gone, and I know we have a, uh, profiles of both on the site, but outside of that and just you know, spot game here and there from the all-22 access that we have, uh, those would be my two, as we said here in late February. Yeah, but it's a really strong class. You got Cam Smith from South Carolina. Of course, Joey Porter Jr. is going to get a lot of headlines and has already been mocked a million times given the, the connection to Pittsburgh. Even Emmanuel Forbes from, I believe, Mississippi State is a big, long corner, kind of that Martin Emerson vibe who's uh, doing a good job in Cleveland right now. And so there's a there's a ton of options for Pittsburgh. And those corners are going to fall a bit because the quarterbacks mm-hmm. are going to dominate the top 10. And you've got some other studs like Will Anderson and Jalen Carter that's going to go uh, top 10 as well. And so, it's, you know, some of those corners will fall. All right, scrolling back up here to the questions. Lance Bullock says, Alex, do you think it may take some time for any rookie O-lineman to adjust to the Steelers' O-line techniques? It seems to take some time for even the vets last preseason. I'm sure that's probably common for anybody. It just was more noticeable last year because of the pretty big change there, pretty big adjustment. 
Um, it depends on, excuse me, where the uh, the college system in which they played. I think an Andrew Voorhees kind of played in that more physical, aggressive pass set system. So that might be a, a more seamless transition for him. It might depend on if you're a senior that started a bunch of games, underclassmen. I do think one thing that will help is the the established room can better help the new guys next year because James Daniels has already gone through the growing pains of how to pass set and learn the system. He can now teach the system as opposed to everybody learning it themselves basically at the same time. So Kevin Dotson and Mason Cole and Dan Moore and Jacob McCorfor can all teach that because they've gone through it and now they can be teachers as opposed to the guys learning. So that may accelerate that curve a little bit. But yeah, I'm sure there's going to be an adjustment there. And then look, yo, uh, are, are any of these guys going to have to maybe switch switch positions from from maybe coming out of a an an, an unnatural position? What happens if it's you know Peter Skronsky and you decide mm-hmm. that that you want to kick him in inside uh, to guard? You know, uh, how 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 will that impact this kind of transition time, if you will? Uh, the, the 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 kid mock uh, of all the guys that of of all the guys that I think that'll have the uh, uh, the easier transition, uh, <laughs> that mock kids is, I know it's, I know it's, it's North Dakota state tape and the, the, the quality, but I mean, he really put on, I thought of put on a show based on, uh, the all 22 from, from, from the senior bowl stuff. I think his transition should, should come, uh, pretty easy. And I, and since you and I talked, uh, since senior bowl too, the John Michael, uh, Schmitz, uh, yeah. Minnesota. yeah, Schmitz, he's another one that, although he, predominantly played center i don't know you you look at the way he kind of moves and all like that he he might have a pretty tra- pretty easy transition if he has to go from center to guard as well too where i'd be more concerned is if you having to tackle the the, the the pure tackles that that might have to make the transition inside yeah in pittsburgh they don't really have a history of doing that and at least right. anything recent not saying they can't new regime but you just want to look at some of those case studies uh, they tried Calvin Beecham at guard that didn't really work actually was better at left tackle much better at left tackle Roan Foster kind of did a bunch of everything but he wasn't you know a first round kind of guy he was a guy that knew he was gonna have to kind of get noticed with his versatility so it's a good question overall um, but we'll see what Pittsburgh does on draft day from a fellow Alex says, hey guys, I saw a tweet a little while ago that Howie Roseman has never drafted a cornerback in the first round. Do you think that is a philosophy Weidel will bring to the Steelers? I doubt it. I don't know the whole history there and the validity validity of that. Let's assume that it's true. Andy Weidel was never the, the decision maker in Philadelphia. It was Roseman, as you point out, Alex. And only since 2019 did Weidel basically set the draft board and kind of run the draft up until draft day when Roseman made those final calls. And so um, I don't see any evidence that Weidel is anti-cornerback. Yeah, do you think people are maybe paying too much mind to Weidel's addition? It's just so tough to tell because when this team makes their picks, unless there's something super obvious or said post-pick, how will you know who kind of drove the bus? For that selection, right. that's going to be the difficulty, right? Because you know, you know, you know, Mike Tomlin's going to have a pretty good say in this. Sure, and it's as, reasonable as is Khan, obviously. To, yeah, it's reasonable to assume Tomlin's influence is going to grow, considering he's the the remaining guy, right? Um, but it, it just—I mean, it has to have some influence, no? They, they they bring this guy in to do to do nothing. I mean, to ignore his philosophy and ideas. Well, I mean, to set to set a draft board. I mean, how, how how much collaboration, or do you just trust him to be the liaison to set the draft board, 
and then you go off of the draft board. You know, I mean, that's why you have a draft board, right? I mean, in theory, sure. So in, that would it be influencing Weidel if they if they follow that draft board? There'll be a collaboration but, to make. But the how board. much? How much? A, you know, how much say in in the collaboration of the draft board will will he have? We'll never know the answer to yeah. that. Question. But if he's in charge of making the board, I would assume that he would have say. I mean, I don't know, but that would be logical. Okay. So I, it's it's a good question, and again, it's hard, especially now that there are like four decision makers in this process of Tomlin, Khan, Weidel, and Rooney. Who's driving what bus? I mean, if Rooney wants something, he gets it, but you never quite know. I think Rooney has a big influence on the first-round direction, putting a stamp on Najee Harris on quarterback play. Go back to Dan Rooney basically getting this team to take Ben in 04. So I think first-round is kind of driven by what Rooney and maybe what Tomlin wants. From, from there on out, it might be more of the other guys. Right. Uh, let's see. Next question comes from Mike Adesso. Alex... You like to say the Steelers need that surefire cornerback one athlete that can cover while the, this draft is deep with cornerbacks. Doesn't it seem maybe only three or four are that guy? Getting one later seems pointless. Yeah, you wouldn't necessarily be banking on or finding that number one corner in the second or third round, but you can get depth as well. Depth is still a concern. You know, if Witherspoon gets cut, you got Sutton if he's resigned, which is not a given right now. Um, Wallace, James Pierre is a, is a restricted free agent who's kind of been up and down throughout his career. So, they would still be value in getting a cornerback beyond day two, even knowing you can't count on that guy to be the guy for your, your cornerback room. Who's the most notable, let's say in the last, I don't know, five drafts of a cornerback that was drafted outside the first two rounds. Can you think of somebody off the top of your head? Tariq Woolen last year was a fifth round pick that became right. That's uh, a good one. All pro bowler there. Uh, beyond that, I'm sure the chat can probably throw out more names than I can right now. I don't um, have the list in front of me right now to, to run through, but... Uh, uh, I'm sure, yeah. What are some day three types? Well, you could say that uh, pretty much in any position, really, but I was just sure. curious off yeah. the top of your head. Uh, now, can Pittsburgh find that guy? The running joke is no, they probably can't, but it is a new front office, so I think that is something to note there. It's uh, even in terms of scouts and that kind of aspect. There's been significant turnover, so the old regime that couldn't draft a corner to save their life. It's a lot of different people in there now. The chat saying any any day three corners, Alante Taylor, Xavier Howard, remember him from Baylor, that's a good one there. Uh, Taylor had a good year with New Orleans, so yeah, a couple good names there. All right, let me go through some of these questions here as I scroll through Jonathan Hightrader's new mock draft. There was someone had a question about Jack Campbell, and I'm seeing that in Jonathan's mock right now. I can't find the question in the chat. Yeah, I think Campbell kind of has that Steelers feel. Big guy, smart. Obviously, dude, where's black and gold right now? So um, that's something to consider if this team does not make any you know, big ads in free agency. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here if I can... Find the next question. Someone asked about Bud and special teams. You see in that one there from Adesso because you just look. Bud Bud hasn't played. Uh, I at his age and 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 all that. I mean, I, I would be surprised if uh, uh, you know. And then think about quality of, of play. I, not saying that he, that you can't put him out there, but is he somebody that that you would even want out there on special teams? No, I wouldn't. I Bud should not play on special teams if he were to come back. But the good thing uh, is. The number three outside linebacker in Pittsburgh, they don't have to play in special teams. James Harrison do, didn't do it his last couple of years. Melvin Ingram didn't do it. Um, 
It, it's not a requirement. Uh, your number, your number four, damn sure yes. better be. Yes, and that's to, where you get your you Jameer know. Jones and Tuskas. Four has to do it. Your inside linebackers have to do it. The number three, I don't think, has to do it anymore in Pittsburgh. You'd like them to be able to do it if they can. It's an it's an added bonus, you know. Sure, but uh, not not a deal you know, breaker. Right, but you know that's what I'm talking about Chase Winovich, you know that, and and even him, he's not going to be a core guy, I wouldn't think, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, he would be a guy that probably play on at least two units, you know. Jarrell Harris, Alex, do you really think the Steelers should be looking at receivers when our trenches are weaker? You can look at both. It depends on the board. I'm not beholden to one position. You're looking at the the mix between what, what do I always say? Um, where talent and need intersected at the highest point, where wherever that point is, it, it's it's a moving target in terms of what's the best value, what helps us win now, um, how does that all come together? It's not pure BPA. It's not pure what position do we have to take. It's a combination of both, and that's how you decide who to draft. And look, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Colbert would get get on you for not using the word want. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Players we want, but uh, on top of that, they really need to have a good draft uh, with these, with these top four picks that they have this year, assuming they hold on to them. Uh, I would hope that they'd have kind of at least a, a, a good general consensus view of how some of these, you know, all four of their first four picks Mike could have paths to considerable playing time, you know. Yeah. Um, what you know, are in your a perfect th- world, obviously, but uh, uh, man, they really th- knowing, thinking how I think that they're going to be in free agency this year, pro- probably kind of a muted free agency period for them, especially cons- you know maybe co- com- compared to uh, a year ago there. Uh, you just, man, it really would be great for them to be able to hit on, you know, three of these four first four picks this year, especially when it comes to, you know, getting, getting, you know, long-term, uh, starting ability out of them. Just a real quick sidebar, having this conversation on Twitter before the, the live stream began, you, how good of a drafter evaluator was Kevin Colbert? Cause some people think he was kind of crappy, especially the back half of his career. How would you evaluate Colbert as a drafter overall? I mean, overall, fine. You know, more more than fine. I think the recency bias creeps mm-hmm. in there, though. You know. Yeah, I think you know the first round picks got pretty volatile towards the end of his career when you had some really good picks in in T.J. Watt and some not so good picks in in, in guys like Devin Bush, and so it kind of went up and down um, later. But I mean, the first ten years, he was as good as it got, and I think even the latter years were were better than people think. Look, I mean, you know, you can easily point to the 2019 trade up of, uh, of uh, for, for for Devin Bush, but then you turn it and you know, I guess it depends on who you ask. With, with Deontay Johnson, I mean, Deontay Johnson's a damn good route runner, and you can uh, you can win with Deontay Johnson at, at, at as your starting X. Now, uh, if I remember correctly, you weren't too keen on Justin Lane. Uh, as 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 early as he was even picked way mm-hmm. back when, uh, Benny Snell, you know, could, could there have been better use of where you know uh, with a fourth round pick with Benny Snell in that year? Uh, the rest of that draft, you know, Isaiah Bugs went on to do some good, a mm-hmm. couple of good things with with Detroit, but the rest of that class outside of. Uh, and look, Benny Snell's giving you good special teams play, but really not much more than that. Uh, that 2019 class as a whole. Uh, not looking great. Uh, I mean, you go back uh, the the year prior to that. I mean, uh, Edmonds 
It was probably more of a third-round player that you drafted in the first round. James Washington flamed out fairly quick. Mason Rudolph really hasn't done much of anything in the limited opportunity. You got a starter in Chiquama Core for Marcus Allen's just merely been a special teams player. Uh, tight end Jalen Samuels. <laughs> <laughs> I always like to have fun with that yeah. because there's there's a couple of readers or listeners that say still think he's a tight end. He wasn't. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's been some real muted classes, so to speak. But then you go back to 2017, you got Watt yep. and Juju and Cameron Sutton and, and Connor. I mean, you know, those top, top, top four selections that year ended up giving you production overall, top to bottom, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, there, so I, 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 there's a recency bias in there that that people will look and say it hasn't been great lately, but I mean, obviously the jury's still out on 2022. And man, if you hit with Kenny Pickett and George Pickens, it it, it doesn't matter what the rest right. of the class class is there, right? And uh, I mean, you go back to 2021. I mean, Najee, it's not like Najee's been a bust. You know, I, I you know me and my, my feelings about first round running backs, but it, it isn't like Najee's totally crapped the bed on you or anything. And same goes with Firemouth. Now, the number, you know, I had questions about the Kendrick Green pick the, 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 the minute it was made. But uh, I, I think when people look at it, there's the more what has happened lately. Sure. But Thank top, you. Top, top to bottom, going back to 2000 with Colbert. You you look at the overall picture. I think it's been fine. I think it's been really good. I think he was one of the best consistently. And for people that say he wasn't good the back half of his back half of his career, his worst class to me by far was 2008. I mean that was just a disaster. Mendenhall, Swede, Bruce Davis. I mean, and it got even worse from there. So uh, just one one footnote there. Uh, back to the chat. Back to the questions. Infinity. 2Z3R0 says, Greetings, Dave and Alex. How do you think the new regime abused the roster enough holes to entertain trading down, or are we locked in at 17, Dave? Is this team locked in at 17? <laughs> what did we talk about this morning? <laughs> the proper response to anything trade-related in a draft is maybe. Maybe. Uh, I mean, look, I... I We'll, we'll see. I mean, it, it's impossible to entertain kind of that speculatory uh, middle of the first round trade up, trade trade down questions, really. I mean, I, I have no clue what they're thinking and what they might do. Is there maybe some guy that they're really totally in love with that they're willing to go up to make sure they get? Or in the same breath, are they willing to uh, circle three or four guys that says, look, if, if we can move down and three or four, as many as three or three, three spots, four spots, uh, are we comfortable with that group of players that that would leave us with any one of those players? Uh, my hope is that they would be more open to a set of players instead of just one player. But you know, you know, you don't know how in love they are with a with a certain player at a at a certain spot that would prevent them from moving out. You know, moving out no matter how maybe sweet the uh, the deal is. So anytime we're asked about the, you know, I've learned over the years that maybe they will, maybe they won't. You know, I, I it just you know it all depends on what they're being offered, mm-hmm. who they're moving up to get, uh, who 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 they'd be willing to take if they did move down three or four spots, that kind of thing. Yeah, they don't even know what they're going to do right now. They don't know if they're going to stay or go up or go down. And usually you don't really know until around draft day, until basically you're on the clock and you're fielding calls and you're seeing how the board falls and all that kind of stuff. So 
They'll be open to trading down more than Kevin Colbert was. He was ultra conservative in trading down, almost never did it three times his entire tenure in Pittsburgh, but you just never know. So maybe. Got a $2 super chat I almost missed from Dead Planet, who saw, I think, Drew Sanders in one of the articles I was scrolling through, who says, Drew Sanders' tape is very alluring. Guy is fast. Yeah, really interesting off-ball linebacker, but also edge rusher, pass rusher from Arkansas, and going to be one of the top linebackers to go in this year's draft. A name to watch there. Tom, Tom Mead, he, he's one of the first guys that Tom Mead profiled, I think, right out of the shoot, wasn't he? Yeah, and I think Mead's a, a big fan of Drew Sanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, 15 minutes left. Be sure to like the stream. A reminder, the Walk the Mock draft will be on the channel Sunday, this Sunday, February 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Got a question from, oh, I just lost it here. Jordan Davis, is Pierre a better player than Witherspoon? We need three starting level corners. Is Pierre better than Witherspoon? They're both kind of those up and down guys. Witherspoon, I think at his, man, that's a, that's a tough question because they're kind of similar height, weight, you know, physically gifted. Pierre's more physical. Yeah, Pierre's a better tackler for sure. Witherspoon has gotten better, but you know, they're both, they both look like an NFL corner. Neither one should be starting for the Steelers in <laughs> 2023, if that's the question. Right, but when they're at their best, like, they're both really good corners when they're at their best, but how often do you get their best is kind of the, is the issue. Right. Uh, so I don't know who I would choose. I mean... Man, I'd a, be more apt to choose maybe Pierre, knowing that I'd, I'm going to get that special teams play out of him on top of everything else. Yeah, and know? a good tackler, run defender, physical with a spoon, not in that same camp, so... I don't know. I mean, you know, Witherspoon has done it more on Sundays. You know, Pierre has not been maybe as tested over his career. So that's a tough one. But I do want to, you know, tender Pierre, bring him back, and Witherspoon, we'll see if they keep him or not. Good question, though. Uh, Does Sutton come back? We need him from Rodolfo. Yeah, I think Sutton comes back. I want to see the money. That's a big issue and big thought for me, but I, I think he comes back. Yeah, I, I think he comes back. Just how much is too much is is the biggest question with him. And they'll have all that figured out after the combine's done. After everybody does their their legal tampering and all, all sides involved will have a pretty good idea what the market uh, will be on him. And then it just becomes, is that number uh, along with the guaranteed money that he's probably going to expect within what your, your game plan is or not? Run by you. I have not watched any David Long. Is he viable? Yeah, he's viable. I haven't studied him super closely, but he'll be one of those free agents or pending free agents. So a name that'll get talked about probably quite a bit. Yeah, probably not the price tag as a Tremaine Edmonds. And uh, I mean, I think you could do worse as a consolation prize, you know. If, if that's if that if if that ended up being a way that they do address, you know, if that's their key quote unquote. Uh, outside free agent off off season, you know, signing this this, this off season. Yeah, I mean, I just do they want to go sign another free agent and hope that guy works. They kind of been down this road a ton, and I just kind of feel like go through the draft, just to scout a guy. All right, but we'll see. Brian Jonker, which available coach would you be excited to see hired as a passing coordinator? His name is Matt Canada, and is the passing coordinator in Pittsburgh. So nobody. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Byron Leftwich as the most logical name as some sort of senior offensive assistant, assistant head coach to replace the John Mitchell title. I don't think I'd be excited about that necessarily, but that's the, the only name I've kind of really kicked around. Um, uh, Pep Hamilton, you mentioned, I think that that's, you know, fairly logical, but I don't spend much time thinking about it. 
Yeah, look, at this point now, everybody should know that uh, whether you like it or not, <laughs> Matt Canada is going to be the offensive coordinator for this team, at least out of the shoot here. So it doesn't it doesn't do any good. I don't think it, at this point in time to waste the breath on, you know, continuing to voice your displeasure with the, the, the decision on Canada until the season starts, you know, and then right. you can pick, you know, hopefully you won't have to, but you know, if you need to, you can pick it up right where you left off at that point. Now, I mean, the, 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 the decision has been made at this point. It just, to me, it's, 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 it's useless to talk about that part of the you know, decision-making process right now. Right. Yeah. I'm with you there. Another $2 super chat from dead planet. P.S. No idea how Max Duggan is not in the top three quarterback convo. I think I got to disagree there. I think Duggan had a good senior bowl week, at least the practice, but you got a stack quarterback class with Young and Stroud and Richardson and, and Will Levis. Um, Duggan is not going to crack that group. He's going to get drafted, though. He should. Late. Probably late right. day three. Right. Yeah. But not top three quarterback material. Right. All right. Got about 13 minutes left. Let me try to go through as many questions. As I can. Uh, let's see. Carl says, in his opinion, Steelers should sign Casey over Edmonds since Casey is a better cover safety and can play in place of Minka. If there's an injury, that said, what are your thoughts on Brian Branch? I know we just had the report on him. Uh, I think we had a report on him a couple days ago from, I believe, Josh Carney about his versatility, athleticism, get that Alabama safety group with him and Minka back there. So, yeah, a name to to kick around for seventeen. Man, if it saved me, uh, you know, uh, we'll see what happens with KZ and Edmonds, obviously. Uh, but uh, uh, my preference with they, they got so many holes on this team. If they could re-sign both KZ and Edmonds, I'd be fine with bypassing that strong say. Or you know, get one late later in the draft, or, or you know, get a couple of undrafted kids in there uh, to compete. But I, I I'm kind of silently hoping that they don't have to spend an early-ish, you know, one of their top, let's say, four picks in this year's draft on a, on a, on a strong safety. KYR, what do you want to see from Khan and Weidel this draft? I want to see aggressiveness in addressing the trenches. Yeah, I think D-line, at the least in its current form, looks really shaky. It's Kim Hayward and not sure what else is going to be there next year. You know, Ogunjobi, Wormley for agents, Wormley with the ACL, Alu-Alu, if he hasn't already retired and just hasn't told anybody, he's going to retire. Um, and then Loudermoke and Adams, you know, are they starting caliber? Loudermoke is not. Adams is kind of iffy. So to me, in some form or fashion, for agency or draft or both, you got to address that D-line. You know, I forgot to look this up before I went out of town here, and I, I just jogged my memory to look now. Uh, the Chiefs did in, indeed re-sign Chris Oladokun to a futures contract. Did you know mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I did see that come in. So he's okay. got a Super Bowl ring. What a! What, I mean, I guess it was a good year for him. It all kind of worked out in the end, I suppose, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's got he's got a ring. <laughs> what what, what jogged your memory about the uh, the safety conversation about Oladokun? No, because uh, the question before about you know quarterback and, oh. and 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 all like that. I'm sure some people are going to wonder, uh, might they spend another late round draft pick? Oh. On- I get uh, on, on a quarterback, and because Maybe. I know how much it irritates you to bring up the the, the name Chris Oladokun, uh, I forgot to look whether or not he signed a futures deal uh, before I went out of town. I just went to the uh, database, and they did indeed re-sign him. Yeah, if they're at one of these pro days for some day three quarterback, I'm going to have to take a walk or something because oh. I don't want to go through that again. We'll see. 
Uh, Bruce Myers, Dave, and Alex, which line do you think has a better chance of the Steelers double dipping in the draft? O line or D line? Again, D line. Like, you think? I think probably, but it's just you know when you double it's dip. Close. When you double dip, like to me, it's a day three. It's a it's a talent, a value thing. The board just breaks the right way. I don't know if it's always intentional. It depends on what happens in free agency and all those kinds of things. So yeah, I think I would sign D line. To me, my um ideal, as we sit here today a way to address the offensive line. If you assume for just a second, you run back the starting five next year. I'm not saying that you have to do that, but let's assume that for a second to address the depth of the offensive line, sign a veteran tackle and draft an interior swing guy. That's the way I would create much better depth with this offensive line. And I uh, had an article on this a year ago. Uh, isn't uh, Kelvin Beecham a free agent again? I believe so. Yeah. I mean, is that something you would entertain? Uh, pretty old. He's what, like 33, 34? 34. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not necessarily against it. I was thinking, and I think you, I think we're kind of in different former Steelers camps. I was thinking Chris Hubbard because he's super versatile, a little bit younger. Not great, but cheap. I mean, from from the little bit I remember watching a Beecham, he wasn't awful, and he could play both both sides. You Has know? he been playing both uh, in like Arizona and Jacksonville? Was he has he kind of been moving around? Uh, I have to pull up my notes that I have on him okay. somewhere. I I know for a fact he's obviously played on the left side. Yeah. I don't know how much he was moving around or you know what he what, what he was doing. Let me there. see what PFF said he did last year on sides. But yeah, I mean I I get that. I think, you know, I think for, so with, for a one year kind of bridge veteran, sure. good for the room. Uh you could do worse than him. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not I don't hate that idea. I think Beecham is similar to my Hubbard suggestion, so I think we kind of mighty cheap for sure. Yeah, I would I mean again, great community guy, tremendous, you know, person and would bring value and a good veteran for that still pretty young offensive line room. Let's see. Beecham last year. Uh, oh, no. Most of his snaps, that's right, were right tackle. Uh, 11, almost, let's see, 1,158. Uh, he did play 16 snaps at left tackle last year okay. for them. And then the year before, 21, he was, let's see here, 77 at left and 926 on the right. So he's been predominantly right side, but he can, in a pinch, give you some left side snaps. Yeah, and obviously was left tackle in Pittsburgh for a long time. So it's actually better to hear he's played more right tackle um, as of late. They're probably going to go sign Cam Irving from Carolina with Pat Mm. Meyer, and Irving's played all over, and so that's a guy that makes sense to me. Give Cameron Hayward someone to beat up on in (laughs) practice, wouldn't it? Make Cam feel young again. That's the way to do it. Uh, F32, Andre Dillard and Clee Farrell would be great under the radar type free agents. Yeah, I, I know um, Dillard's been mentioned to me a couple times. Andy Weidel, Philadelphia there, you know, former first-round pick. Farrell's a little bit bigger, though, too, you know. Uh, and, and don't you already have that kind of guy in Leal? <laughs> yeah, it's a little redundant. That's a good point. Unless, but do they want to make Leal a full-time defense alignment? If they do, We're then gonna find out. that kind of opens up a guy like Farrell. Yeah, Dillard, it's just, if you sign him, is he going to start? I mean, would he be the backup? Would they compete? Does he want to be in that position? A couple of thoughts there. Not sure. But uh, a name that's been talked about a couple times in my timeline. And the reason I think you could more likely see him double dip on D-line is, is they could use a later round big body plugger in the middle, someone sure. like the P.J. Mustafer out of Penn State. Uh, didn't Josh just post a uh, profile on him this afternoon? He did, just uh, before we got on here. He's a big P.J. Mustafer fan, had a good uh-huh. week at the Shrine Bowl. 
I mean, you got Bloodline there. I think he wore, I think, wasn't he a captain at, at Penn State? He, uh, his brother played center for, or played center for the Bears. Uh, he's, I think he's a better run defender than he is uh, a pass rusher. I mean, he'd be an ideal later round guy that maybe you could groom to be that, you know, uh, base uh, nose tackle, you know. Yeah, voted uh, team captain two straight years, according to Josh. And so that is the uh, info on PJ Mustafer. About five minutes left. We'll see what other questions are here. Who used to set the draft board in Pittsburgh? Good question. I don't know who actually was responsible for that. Who set the draft board before Weidel, presumably? Is, well, I know Rooney has said that he will. Um, I don't know. It's a good question. Any idea, Dave? No, I can't. If 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 it was, I can't remember if it was ever disclosed. I don't think I don't think it ever was. You'd have to probably just guess. I don't know if that would be. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna get in the weeds about that. But a Kreidler or Colbert, Dan Colbert, probably not Dan. He was more area scout. Dan, no, I, I don't know. I'm getting in the weeds here. It doesn't really matter. Good question though, Mike. I wish I had an answer for you. Any chance you take Cody Mock at 32? His arm length obviously a red flag, but worst case, he's their upgrade over Dotson. Imagine the 2015 power, but instead coming from the left side. So the uh, the Castro of the left side is what Jesse's saying. Yeah, would you could, would you consider it? You know, I would. How Pittsburgh evaluates small school guys with this new regime? One thing I'll be watching for very closely this offseason. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Thoughts on linebacker Ivan Pace Jr. How would he fit in Austin's defense? I think he'd be uh, Ivan Pace Jr., the linebacker from oh, Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah, I think he would have would have been a better fit in the Dick LeBeau style with the super aggressive blitzing inside linebackers. Not saying he can't fit in this system, but he's a physical guy though. Boy, yeah. short, but he's like all quads, all muscle, super big chip on his shoulder, intense blitzer type of guy. So. Pittsburgh. I thought he held. I thought he held his own okay at uh, the Senior Bowl. Yeah, he had a good week down there for sure. And um, yeah, I just I just worry the size is still going to be an issue, and I think the scheme fit isn't as strong now as it used to be. So maybe a decade ago would have been a stronger fit. Today, a little bit less so. Oh, uh, let's see what else we have here. Any chance Hargrave makes his way back home? Um, I doubt it. You doubt that too, Dave? Yeah, I do. I think. Uh, the demand out there if and you know we'll see obviously what what the eagles do with him before uh he hits free agency but if he does you'd have to think that a guy like him is going to be in pretty good demand and at his age and asking price it just it it it, it, it just feels like something they they'd much more rather go the 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 route of the draft look i i, I hated them losing him a couple years ago you know uh but i, I just i I will be surprised if he circles back to the Steelers this offseason. Same. John asking about what would it take to trade that first pick in the second round. It's really hard to say those things. Um, you're always listening. You're always weighing options, but too hard to say right now, John. Uh, run by you. That 2 draft is underrated, not splashy, but a lot of guys who contributed to wins. Yeah, I think 2 top to bottom, you could argue, top to bottom, the collective group that might be his best class ever just because there were almost no misses in that class from, who was that, Simmons at the top, Simmons, Brett Kiesel Randall. at the bottom. Yeah, I mean, like that was a great class. I guess LeVar Glover uh, was was kind okay. of the dud, the, the, the dud in there. Uh, Lee Mays was more of a uh, kind of a part-timer, right? Of uh, Ron Haynes, uh, 
definitely played played a role. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry Foot was not an, mm. not originally a starter, but when he circled back after what was it a year in Washington, right? Uh, uh, Detroit. Where did he go? I forget. He's in Detroit now or Arizona, but but yeah. No, where where did didn't Foot leave for he did. for for a year? I guess it was Detroit. It was okay. Randall L that went Washington. Okay, so Foot did go to Detroit. Gotcha. And but then yeah, uh, both of them circled back. I think the year after, didn't they? Uh, yeah. At least it's. I know both came in back. 2010, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a really strong class. Uh, let's see. Twenty dollars super chat from Tony Anderson uh, says, uh, "How come no one talks about Brian Branch with the first two picks? The kid's a great player, plays fast. Yeah, I mean, we talked about him some tonight, Tony. So worthwhile name. You know, once the pro day circuit starts and we car- we start seeing where Pittsburgh goes, and we saw Omar Khan today at the HBCU Combine, the only GM to attend, and so a good sign that Khan will be a pretty visible presence on the scouting trail this year. Um, we're gonna hopefully start trying to put together that, that list of names, and that may include." Brian Branch, I imagine Pittsburgh will be at that Alabama Pro Day along with the other rest of the NFL, and so it'll be, be on the list. And look, once again, that's that's not a guy I've gone deep, deep at all in, into the tape on, but if if as advertised, he's a guy that can give you, you know, you don't re-sign a guy like Casey, you know, for instance, uh, and if he's a guy that can give you some, some you know, snaps in the slot, you know, and, and kind of play that role, on t- yeah, I mean, I, then, then possibly he could be in consideration there. Yep, for sure. Uh, Mike Adesso, Brandon Hunt, on who set the draft board. That might be the answer. I can't tell you for sure, but Hunt is as good a guess as any there, Mike. So, mm-hmm. so good on you there. Uh, Rob James, what about flipping a core four back to left tackle? I don't know. I mean, you could, but he's gotten pretty comfortable on that right side. You know, they draft a, a right tackle type at day one Jones. It'd become a conversation, but not something I'm actively searching to do look if you're going to draft a tackle early this year i think you're drafting one to play on the left side right i mean correct you don't you don't have to i guess depending on who the guy is i mean you could nothing's stopping you from moving a core for over right and and and, you know left tackle it doesn't feel ideal though unless you i mean you got someone that you knew was going to just be an ass kicker over there at right tackle and you couldn't you couldn't move them yeah, you know. but I mean, you know, right tackles, they face so many good pass rushers these days, so mm-hmm. it's not like a, I don't know. I mean, I, you would think left tackle where the top names are, are sitting, whether it's Skaronsky or Roderick Jones or Paris Johnson, but who knows? Who knows? Could be Darnell Wright or Daywan Jones. Uh, so a question here. Why don't uh, Cam Sutton or Minka wear the green dot? They're praised for their smarts and are out there every down. It's just harder to communicate when you're on one side of the field or lined up. 15, 20 yards deep, and so you want guys who kind of are in the middle of the action. That's why it's typically the uh, the off-ball linebackers. Right, and I mean, look, I mean, Cameron Sutton is probably one of the smartest guys. On, if anybody can handle it, it's him, you know, but it's just, it's just, uh, it generally it's more of the, your, your every down inside linebacker that gets that role. Right, although I think it's kind of changed hands over time. I mean, I think it kind of, who even had it this we, past year? We know, we know T.J. Watt don't want it. <laughs> Yeah, he had that in 2019, and that didn't work out well. I mean, I guess it was the Jack have it. I guess this year. I'm trying to think who had the green dot in in 22. I think Jack had it had it uh, for for predominant amount of time. Okay, yeah, Mike saying Tony Jefferson Ward. Yeah, I mean you can do it. Jefferson kind of played all over and was kind of more of the box type. So corners, I don't know if any corner in football has a green dot because if you're on one side of the field, how are you talking to the other guys? So that's going to be an issue. But yeah, I mean it, it's a fair point. 
All right, that's going to wrap up the questions here. Really appreciate the turnout and all the very generous Super Chats from the entire uh, Super Chat contributors tonight. So um, going to have some more videos for you guys. I know it's been a bit quiet on the channel lately. And again, Sunday, this Sunday, February 26th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Walk the Mock, live stream draft, drafting the first three rounds of 2023. So that'll, that'll be four picks of the Pittsburgh Steelers, three in the top 50. There's trades. There's all of this you know, fun and games that, uh, you know, you guys can be my my scouts and help me pick this thing for Pittsburgh. So hopefully we'll see you there this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Dave, as always, thank you for being here with me. Thank you for having me. You do a great job putting these on. Thank you for everybody that showed up tonight. Uh, peace and love. And we'll talk to you on this uh, live stream two weeks from tonight. For sure, for sure. All right, so you guys can see an archive version of this on Steelers Depot in just a little bit, and we'll have some more content for you over the coming days. Appreciate you guys being here, and we'll talk to you soon. So let me just exit the stream, and uh, we'll get out of here.